Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal Managing Editor Ed Arnold connects with Dr. Chiquita Collins, who assumes the new role of Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at UT Health San Antonio. Well, again, Dr. Collins, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So to start off, we have a statewide audience. I think you've been pretty well introduced over the last couple of weeks to San Antonio. But for our statewide audience, let everyone know uh, who you are and what your job title is here in San Antonio at UT. So I'm happy to report I, I am the inaugural Vice President for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion at UT Health San Antonio. Um, prior to that, I served as the inaugural Vice Dean for Inclusion and Diversity and Chief Diversity Officer for the Joe R. Teresa Lozano Long uh, School of Medicine. And I've been here roughly over four and a half years. What led you to UT uh, the Health Science Center? What brought you there? Uh, I'll give you the abbreviated story. So prior to accepting this position, and sometimes you're not looking for opportunity, opportunity knocks. And so essentially that's what happened. I was attending a national conference and a colleague from here, uh, we actually embarked on a conversation at 4.30 in the morning as we were waiting to uh, (laughs) go through security (laughs) at the airport, right? And who does that at that time, a type of uh, time of hour? So anyway, this might be uh, the record for the most productive 430 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So we met for the very first time and we had a very good conversation and he brought to my attention after realizing what I what my position, current position at the time, that um, the university was looking to hire someone in a similar fashion. I had no interest even as I returned back to my home institution. However, um, he should have received some type of compensation because, listen, he called, he texted, he did everything that a search firm would do to really attract talent. And so I took a leap of faith and um, the rest is history. And so that's how I kind of. That's uh, wonderful. Well, we we are going to benefit from his persistence. So thank you so much. So tell us a little bit, you know, you've been with the institution for several years, but new in this position, but what sort of initiatives, what kind of programs did you want to launch out of the gate with on this new spot that you're in? Yes. Well, ironically, um, as I began my former position, we were embarking on our accreditation. All medical schools across the country must be accredited. And so that is an 18-month intensive, laborious endeavor. And so um, this was not my first rodeo. And so we kind of hit the gate and hit, you know, in terms of being able to generate tangible effort that would be seen in a favorable light as it pertains to that we are really serious about elevating diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I launched a monthly series entitled Diversity Grand Rounds, which is the term that's used in in medical schools, was really to bring in experts from a variety of different specialties to speak about their expertise, but really to represent the diversity that exists. You know, oftentimes we say, well, you know, we can't recruit because, you know, the pipeline is somewhat limited. But the reality is that you really have to dig a little deeper and identify that there's talent everywhere, but opportunity sometimes is limited. 
And so we use it as an opportunity, a forum to really, I would say, attract the overall university campus. So it wasn't just pertained to uh, medicine solely. And so we had School of Nursing, Dentistry, Health Professions, the Graduate School, from learners, faculty, and staff who were very much participants. And so we evaluate all that we do. And so from the response and the feedback from those who did attend, they felt that it was definitely of value. And so that was one programmatic initiative that we we launched initially. And I mean, you were talking about improving the pipeline. I know that in San Antonio, it, again, we're talking to try to remember to speak to people outside of town. But we have the the Casman High School, which is a really, really incredible uh, magnet school here in San Antonio that I know you've done uh, some work with, which, of course, is a natural fit. That's right. So I had the opportunity to even, um, I would say, name the principal, uh, Eddie Rodriguez. OK. And so we're very instrumental, not only in terms of the hiring of the inaugural principal, but also to really be instrumental in the curriculum. And so we have a, I would say, um, an effective partnership by which we have a diversity director to really tap into ways in which we can provide guidance in addition to role modeling and ensuring that students sometimes feel that, you know, they may experience imposter syndrome. I can't do because of my given lived experiences or background, but we have so many stories of individuals who've reached the pinnacle of success who've come from those backgrounds, right? And so that audience tend to resonate, right, with individuals who say, you know what, we were able to overcome adversity. And despite, you know, the lived experiences, I've been able to be successful. So we try to make sure that we have opportunity um, for our faculty and our students to serve in that capacity. It's not only about, you know, making sure that the pipeline of students coming in is more diverse and more inclusive, but also the faculty as well, which feeds into the broader business community. I often will say that a lot of doctors and other, you know, medical professionals end up being, depending on which way they go, both a physician and a small business owner, right? They, because of the nature of their business, they also have to do all of these other things that, you know, the other small business owners also can, can certainly uh, agree with. How would you advise those kinds of professionals, those folks out in the in the community who, uh, you know, need to draw in uh, more employees? They need to hire. Everyone needs to hire these days. There's a, it's a little bit shorthanded right now, but how to make sure that they're following the right path to get the kind of staff that we would all like to see as a as a broad and inclusive representative of our community. So diversity has many connotations. I think most people perceive it as only being in terms of a given racial, ethnic, and maybe gender identification, but it's more to that, right? So we have to be cognizant in representing all the multifaceted ways in which we can represent. And we want to look at our local community, right? As it pertains to diverse of thought, diverse of uh, perspectives, we have a large refugee um, community that's here in San Antonio. And, you know, we can't rest our laurels just because we are a minority majority city by which 65% of our adults identify as Latino, Hispanic, or Latinx. We have to be intentional and we have to, in order for us to be successful in whatever industry, we have to collaborate and leverage and be champions. And so that all of us are interrelated, right? You can't have the perspective that, you know, medicine is doing one thing, business is doing something else, government is doing something else. We're not going to reach the levels of of success if we continue to function and operate in that vein. And so I think it's critically important that we build bridges, 
that we leverage, that we engage uh, with the community, and the community is broadly defined, whether we're talking about business owners or we're talking about um, community activists, you know, who have been the gatekeepers of understanding various constituent groups. And so again, we have to make sure that we capitalize on those opportunities because it's going to take us even further as it pertains to moving the needle. Dr. Chiquita Collins joining us. In our next segment, she shares her short-term goals in her new role. When Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual Insurance Company, we celebrate the workers who keep your business growing strong. They're a vital part of our community, and we're proud to be on the job with 1.5 million of them every day. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. You cannot just sort of put up a help wanted sign and expect things to be filtered for you. You have to really engage the community and more so now, even than ever before. I think this might be one of the biggest droughts for employing, you know, of all time, or at least in a generation. So you cannot just sort of put out a help wanted sign and hope that things turn out right. You really must engage uh, your community and really reach out. So with that in mind, what are you hoping to see? And you know, we don't need to cast too far out. Let's talk short-term goals. What are you hoping to see in the next year, two years, maybe three years? Well, let me tell you this. I'm honored to see that we've made some remarkable inroads as pertains to, for example, diversifying our student population here in the medical school. I mean, we've had the U.S. News World Report actually showcase our success as pertains to being the number I think ranked number 16 in the country and number one in the state of Texas. And so it wasn't because of who we are. We had to be intentional. Again, it's a collaboration in terms of my office and other offices that kind of oversee admissions. We have to make sure that we meet people in terms of where they are, right? So students have to feel like they feel value, that they're part of the organization, not just you know, one and done. And it's like, okay, we get you in. We want you to be successful throughout your journey. So there are many initiatives in which we take part in. We um, have receptions. We offer advice in terms of those who are considering uh, applying to medical school. And we even do follow up, you know, because, you know, some of the top applicants, they get, you know, multiple offers, right? And so um, to be competitive, we have to offer scholarships, you know, that's just the the way of the world, you know? And so, That's something that we use to incentivize. And we have similar initiatives as it pertains to the recruitment of junior faculty as well. Um, hiring faculty, especially in the medical school, is quite an expensive endeavor. And so uh, especially those who are in basic science in which they have labs. And so many of our medical students and I would say graduate students, they often incur educational debts, right? Absolutely. And so one way in which we've been able to kind of um, offer as an incentive is that if you are committed to pursuing a a certain line of research, then we can offer a loan repayment program similar to what the government does, right? Um, Up to three years if you meet certain criteria. And so we've been very successful in that and we hope to kind of expand that to other schools as well. Well, that's key, isn't it? I mean, we need education to be more affordable for everyone if we're going to increase the participation that we all know needs to happen. You know, we're very close already to uh, an economy that requires an undergraduate degree at minimum. We're very close to that, much less further in. So that is also a severely limiting factor for a lot of students is their ability to really afford medical school. So 
What sort of advice would you give to those students that may feel a little bit discouraged about it to sort of help them see that there are avenues that they could pursue? There's a plethora of scholarships by which one could potentially apply for. And when we're talking about underserved communities in particular, we have to involve the family because oftentimes their culture, depending on the racial ethnic group in which you identify, it's a family decision, right? And so many come from which they are supporting their family. And how can I leave my family to pursue higher education when I have to provide to some degree to my family? And so um, again, we have to understand and be culturally sensitive to those things. And so um, we have to, again, be more proactive in our outreach at younger ages. You know, some people say high school, but the scholarship says you have to start at third grade. That's when you really try to, you know, how do you, you know, kind of groom students to, to have um, interest in, in STEM education, right? So if you don't start early, then we're kind of starting late when you say, you know, high school programs, although they serve a value, most definitely, you know, so again, we try to do a multi-faceted approach in terms of how do we attract, you know, we won't see the return on our investment in years to come. But in terms of CASMED, we're hoping that they will, you know, go off to UTSA, you know, and then ultimately <laughs> <Right>. come to us. <laughs> right, right, right. But, of course, um, of course. Yes, so that's the um, kind of um, projective um, uh, objectives, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have noticed over the last uh, two or three years that it, the profile of historic black colleges and universities has really increased. And that's been a, a wonderful sort of push to re-examine and return to in some cases or, or recruit kids that they had maybe not considered it before. Have you seen more kids from historic black colleges sort of coming into the system at the medical school level? That's a very good question. What we have found nationally is that HBCUs, historically black colleges and university, historically have had the largest number of graduates who go off right. to professional schools or higher education. So we need to learn from them and we need to find ways in which we can partner, you know, and solidify ways to offer pipeline opportunities, you know, whether it's, you know, you're taking classes at the same time or, you you know, again, they graduate most talented. And what they do that's different from other schools, I went to a predominantly white institution, but, you know, I'm very proud of in terms of what I was able to obtain in terms of education is that the smaller schools or HBCUs and other minority serving institutions, they invest in students who oftentimes come with not the same caliber of education in terms of background to some degree. Also on the flip side, those who are the most elite HBCUs, they attract the top talent. These folks are coming from private schools, they have straight A's and all of that. So again, it's investing and committing to that investment by which you know, even though you might have some weaknesses, we will bring you up to par so that you are competitive, you know, and I think they do a very good job in that regard. Well, Dr. Collins, that is all that I've got to talk with you about today. You're just, I'm ready to follow you into the fight. I'm right here. I loved it. That was, I loved your energy. It was so delightful. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's a joy and it's all about collaboration and really amplifying in terms of making sure that we are committed because we want the next generation that comes after us not to be in the same situation in terms of where we are. So I'm just thrilled to have this opportunity and honored to be an active voice and leader at UT Health Center. Dr. Chiquita Collins joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds. 
presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.